Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. Well, good morning, everybody. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. While you're turning there, I'm going to just give you a, a hypothetical this morning. So your friend comes to you and says, hey, man, I, I need a new car. I'm going to go down to the car lot. Would you go with me? And so you, you go down to uh, Britain Chevrolet. And you're walking the, the lot, and uh, Byron comes out to you, and he says, hey, man, I, I, I want to sell you a car today. And you say, well, hey, I'm not looking for a car. My friend is, and I'm just here with him. And so Byron says, well, why aren't you looking for a car? And you say, well, I, man, I just, I don't have any room in the budget right now for a car. And Byron says to you, he says, you know what? I'm going to make you a deal today. He says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You can go pick out any Chevrolet on the lot, any, any car, brand new, Tahoe, Suburban, Cruise, Camaro, Corvette, anything you want on the lot, and we'll work a lease. And you say, man, there is no, I already told you, there's no room in my my budget. There's no way I could do that. And Byron says, listen, here's what I'm going to do. It's going to be a lease, and I will lease it to you for $100 a month. And after a year, you bring it back, and I'll give you another one for $100 a month. Now, let me just say, this message is not approved by Britain Chevrolet. Okay, I, I mentioned up front, this is hypothetical, all right? But here's the deal. If that happened, and you were the one that was there, and you had no room in your budget, and Byron says to you, $100 a month, I can get you in this new car, every one of us would figure it out, wouldn't we? Yeah, because here's the thing. It, it's value. There's value to be found there. Uh, because what you're doing is you're eliminating maintenance costs and your, you know, your old rag that you're driving now that you keep driving because you say you don't have any room in the budget. We would figure it out. I mean, there's things that we would do. Um, so we would, you know, maybe you're paying the neighborhood kid to mow your yard. You say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'll do it. Or you take your shirts to the cleaners. Okay, I'll iron my own shirts. Or, you know, anytime we go out to eat, instead of getting, you know, sweet tea or Dr. Pepper, I'll drink water. And you, you figure out a way to scrape up enough money together to, to do that. The reason that many Christians don't give financially through their church is because they believe that they're living at the end of their budget and can't possibly add any more financial commitments. But even those people, as I just illustrated, can always figure out how to afford that one more thing that they want badly enough. So today is the last Sunday for us to talk about strengthening our heart for missions. And above all things, missions and giving are heart issues. And you can't separate them from one another. See, it was Jesus himself that said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, I'm just paraphrasing, he says that if our heart is in something, our money follows. And as we close out this series, I want us to take... Uh, one last look at, at what we often call Jesus' famous last words. So in Matthew chapter 28, look with me. Uh, we're going to read the, the verse, verses 19 um, 
and 20. And we've been focusing on these two verses quite a bit. And so here's what Jesus said. He said, therefore, go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, what we just read has never been referred to as the great suggestion. But it's always been called the Great Commission because Jesus himself gave us this mission of going and making disciples of all the nations. Now, when people talk about the Great Commission, most of the time they do just what we did, which is we go straight to verses 19 and 20. But when we do that, we miss something about the crowd that Jesus was initially giving the Great Commission too. Now, I want you to be clear. He was giving it initially to a group of people, but it's given to all of us today. But let me show you what I mean. Let's back up just a few verses. I want you to go look at verse 16. And the Bible says this, Matthew 28, 16, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted, and Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been, been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore, go and make disciples. And I won't read the rest of it again. But here's what I want you to see. There were two specific groups that Jesus addressed that day. And those same two groups are the same two groups that he addresses even today. I'm going to share with you five things this morning. Uh, they're, they're all loosely related. I, they're, they're really the five important things that I wanted you to get today before we, before we left our, our series on missions. And the first is this. The Great Commission was given to Christ followers who are all in. Let me just put it that way. That's the that's term that people can get. They're, they're all in. So verse 17 says that some of the disciples at the time that Jesus was giving this, giving the Great Commission, it says some of them worshipped. What that means is, is, man, they were good to go. They were totally on board with what Jesus had said and what he was saying now. They were excited. They were dedicated. They were committed. And they were highly motivated. And every church has people just like this. And some of you today, you fit in this category. You're excited about partnering with your church and sending missionaries. And, and, and you've been praying this week and in the weeks prior about how much God wants you to give to missions. And quite honestly, you just assume me get over this part so you can get to the filling out the card part. Because you're excited about being a part and doing something with your life that lasts for eternity. God's put a fire in your soul about doing something that really makes a difference. But not everybody here feels that way. And you know what? Not everyone, not everyone felt that way the day that Jesus gave the Great Commission. The second thing I want you to see is this. The Great Commission was also given to Christ's followers who are having second thoughts. So look at verse 17 with me one more time. It says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. The Our English word here, doubted, Again, I've shared this with you many times, but I just, I, I never want to just take something for granted. But I've shared with you before that what we're reading in English was originally given in Greek, in the Greek language. And so the word here for doubted is the Greek word distazo. And it's a compound word. The, the first part of it, dis, D-I-S, 
uh, means twice or second or two and, and all of its variations. And when the last part, tazo, is added to it, it has the meaning of opinion. So when you put those two things together, what it's, the word doubted literally means second opinion. So the Bible is saying that some worshipped, but some of the disciples, they needed a second opinion. They were having second thoughts. Here, here's, here's how we would look at it. They wanted to be um, forgiven of their sin. They wanted to go to heaven, but they weren't really sure if they wanted to continue following Jesus because it was becoming apparent that there might be some cost involved. And every church has people like this, too. And some of you today, quite honestly, you fit into this category. You want the benefits of knowing Jesus. You want to go to heaven. You want your sin to be forgiven. But when we talk about things like this, you're realizing that there's some cost to being a follower of Jesus. And and that's giving you some second thoughts. You're, You're having to think twice before you decide to follow Jesus fully because you're more comfortable with a faith that doesn't cost anything. But check it out. That day that Jesus gave the Great Commission, he wasn't giving it only to the committed, dedicated, highly motivated worshipers. He was also giving it to the followers who were having second thoughts. You see, here's something that we have to understand. God doesn't give his commands based upon the approval rating of the people listening. Instead, he gives his commands based upon his divine will and purpose. And it is God's will and his purpose that every people group gets the opportunity to hear about Jesus just like we have. And as a result, he commanded us, because the gospel has come to us, he commanded us to get the message of Jesus to all the world, whether we're all in or whether we're having second thoughts about Jesus and his mission. As I said last week, we don't have to be called to something that we've been commanded to already. And the Great Commission is given to the church. It's given to you and to me. And this begs the question. Since it has been so clearly communicated by Jesus himself, why is the Great Commission? Why is missions being ignored by so many churches and by so many individual Christians? And I believe that the answer to that question is found in the third thing I want you to see this morning, which is when we fail to obey the Great Commission, it's because we fail to fulfill the Great Commandment. I want you to go back just a couple of pages back to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Where we're going to read here in Matthew chapter 22 is less than two weeks before Jesus gave the Great Commission. So, so... 10 to 14 days before Jesus gave the Great Commission, he gives what we call the Great Commandment here in Matthew chapter 22. So let's look at verse 37. Here's the Great Commandment. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So Jesus says, and the reason this came up is because someone came to him. He was, he was testing him. And he said, okay, Jesus, what's the, what's the greatest commandment in all the law? Wrap, wrap it all up for me. What's the most important one? And Jesus said, okay, let me, let me just say it to you this way. The, the, the greatest commandment 
is love God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is where there is a disconnect for those who are having second thoughts about fulfilling the Great Commission. You see, some Christians only love God with their mind. You see, they love him intellectually, but not emotionally. They love him with their mind because it's it's super easy for us to wrap our mind around having our sin forgiven and going to heaven instead of hell. That's an e honestly, that is an easy intellectual decision. And it's an easy choice to make. But the great commandment says that we have to make sure that our ability to love God with our mind is connected to our choice to love him with our heart. I've been telling you this for weeks. Missions is a heart issue. And when God's people don't fulfill the great commission, it's because they haven't fulfilled the great commandment. See, if you don't love God, you're not going to obey the harder commands. Go to Romans chapter 10. It's just another passage that we have uh, we've spent a lot of time on in, in this series. Romans chapter 10. Um, in Romans chapter 10 here, we are given the blueprint of the Great Commission. And uh, I want to start just with verse 13. And the Bible says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is an awesome, awesome truth of Scripture. Um, No matter who you are, listen, no matter what you've done, no matter your DNA, no matter your economic status, uh, no no matter your tribe, your tongue, your language, none of those things matter. The Bible says that every person who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. That is awesome news for mankind. And then there are four hows in the next two verses. And so we have this thing of everyone that calls on Jesus will be saved. And then we have the, the, the how-tos of the Great Commission. So let's look at verse 13 again, and then we're going to add verses 14 and 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how? There's the first one. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? So I always wonder what goes through my wife's mind when I say, hey, would you bring me, because I forget stuff, and I get an idea in the middle of the last few minutes of studying. And I said, baby, would you bring me some dominoes this morning? I'm glad she didn't bring pizza because that's really not what I had in mind, right? So I've got five dominoes here. And, you know, one of the great things about dominoes is some of you, you play dominoes, okay? Uh, Now, there's lots of different types of dominoes. Um, 
there's there's easy type dominoes, you know, where you like just got to add the, you know, you got to attach a five to a five and a one to a one, all that. That's okay. That's for all of us domino morons, right? (laughs) Some of you people, you play the real stuff, right? So 42 and all that. And, you know, but is the higher number the Trump or the lower, you know, and people like us, we don't get that. Um, But here's the great thing about dominoes. When you're three, you can play dominoes. Because you just line those puppies up. And you line them all up. And you you try to make little curves and twists and all that. And if you do it just right, you know, when you when you tip that one, they all fall over. And it's, yes, I won in dominoes, right? So, uh, but but here's the deal. Here's what I want you to see this morning. Just as a, as a way of simple, simple illustration. I probably should have thought through numbers. It doesn't really matter. I don't suppose it would have been cooler if one of these was a double. But anyway, so this represents the person that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. But this person is out somewhere in an unreached area of the world. And they've got to have the gospel. If they can, if they can get the gospel, they can believe. Right. So so in order for them to be saved, they've got to believe. So we're going to put the believe domino right there. But, you know, that domino's not going to fall by itself. There's got to be someone that tells them so that they can believe. And so you've got to add another domino. You see, this is a this is a, a process here. But even still, if you have the person that's going to tell them, but let's say this person is somewhere in East Asia and the person to, to tell them is in California. How's that going to work? So they've got to, they've got to have they've got to be told, but that means they've got to have the person that's willing to go to tell them. And then we set that there, and, and that's there's still there's still an issue. You see, when it comes to the blueprint and the how tos of the Great Commission in the Scripture, there's the first domino. That still has to be placed in line with the rest. You see, in order for this person to be saved, they've got to believe. But to believe, they've got to hear. To hear, they've got to be told by someone that will go. But before someone can go, the Bible says there's got to be someone to send. Now, here's the deal. Um, this is the 9-5. I- I'm challenging you to be the 9-5. Oh, that was good. That was good. Because you know what represents nine to five? I didn't plan that. I'm just saying. You know what? Often we think that we work to live. But you know what? As a follower of Jesus Christ, did you know that one of the things that we ought to be doing is work to give? And without the sender... Those dominoes are not going to fall. Even if this person wanted to believe. And there was a way for them to hear. And, and all the dominoes lined up, but not this one. There's still a problem. But here's the deal. You be the 9-5. Be the one to send. So that whenever your domino falls, all the rest fall as well. You see, listen. Missions. 
It's not hard. It's so practical and simple that a five-year-old can grasp it. God puts it on the heart of some of his children to go and take the gospel to the rest of the world. And when they do, they're doing something that is awesome that most people never realize. Uh, recently, uh, I gave our... We have a staff meeting here. Uh, recently, I gave our staff in staff meeting a written quiz. Yes, I am that type of boss. Written quiz over our mission, purpose, and values. And so I'm asking, okay, so here's the question, here's the question, here's the question, they're writing their answers down. And when they turned in their answers, I'm checking to see if our guys even know what our mission, purpose, and values are. And, and when, I, when I got these back, it was obvious to me that Steve had copied off of Kim. <laughs> and so I said, Steve, did you copy off of Kim? No. And I said, okay, well, here's the thing. Every question that she got right, you got right with the exact same wording. How do you, how do you explain that? He says, coincidence, Paul. And, uh, I said, okay. Then, how do you explain the fact that every question that she got wrong, you also got wrong with the exact same wording? I don't know. That's crazy. Like the nine-five domino, right? I don't know how it happened. We must just think alike. And I said, okay, well, then how do you explain question number 14? I said, Kim's answer was, I don't know. And your answer was, me neither. <laughs> so, so obviously I stretched that story a little bit. But here's what, here's what I want you to see. I gave you that story just to make this point. Most of the time it's wrong to copy, but not always. There are times in our life that the very best thing that we can do is copy someone else. And that's never more true than when it comes to missions. And here's the fourth thing I want you to see this morning. Those who take the gospel to the rest of the world are copying Jesus. Jesus was the first missionary. <clears throat> Excuse me. Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, 5 through 8 say this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, though he was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his privileges. He took the humble position of slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Here's what I want you to see. In that passage of Scripture, what we, what we get is that Jesus left his home. He left the privileges that came with home. And he came or he, he went to a different world, a foreign world. A, an often hostile world, and he preached the gospel. Not only did he sacrifice his way of life to go preach the gospel in that foreign land, but he sacrificed his life for you and for me. And when someone today answers the call to leave their home and go 
to another world, another land, a, a foreign, possibly hostile land. And they, they give up the, the privileges of home to take the gospel. What they're doing is they are copying Jesus, the first missionary. They say that imitation is the greatest form of flattery. If you want to flatter Jesus, imitate him, copy him, and go take the gospel to the rest of the world. But if you don't do that, all is not lost. And here's why. The fifth thing I want you to see. Those who send the gospel to the rest of the world are copying God. Now, you may be thinking, how in the world does that copy God? First John chapter 4, verse 9 says this. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. What did God do? He sent. Jesus was the first going missionary, but like all missionaries, Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, had a sender. And that sender was God the Father. And it tells us what God's motive was for why he sent Jesus. It says that his motive was love. His love for us. And this is how we have the opportunity to imitate or to copy God. We can copy Jesus and go take the gospel to all nations, or we can copy God and send the gospel to all nations. Whether you are committed, highly motivated, or whether you're having second thoughts and you've got some doubts about the whole thing, no matter where you are on the spectrum, Jesus gave the great commission to you to be either a goer or a sender. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19 says this. Teach those who are rich in this world. Let's be clear. I just want to make sure we're talking about money here. Okay. It's talking about money. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future, I'll say eternity, so that they may experience a true life. Paul tells Timothy here that God gives us wealth for two reasons. Verse 17 said, um, don't. Don't trust your money. It's reliable. Trust in God who gives us. Okay, so so God gives us our money for two reasons. And it goes on to say that he gives us all we need first for our enjoyment. Did you know there's not one thing wrong with you enjoying the fruit of your labor? Um, if If you buy some things that are enjoyable to you, listen, that's not a sin. God gave you your money to do things like that, to, to use it for your enjoyment. But then he also goes on to say that we also should use it to do good, to be generous to those in need, to share with others. And it goes on to say that if you do that, you get to experience true life. Well, let me say it this way. When you do that, 
you live fully. You see, you'll never be able as a follower of Jesus Christ to live fully until you learn to give fully. Now, what does it mean to give fully? The Bible is consistent from 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 Genesis to Revelation. The Bible is consistent on how children of God should give when they love God. Always a portion, sometimes a sacrifice. When it comes to your money, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, one who has been redeemed from your sin, given security of eternity in heaven with God the Father, when it comes to your finances, you should always... Give a portion. And sometimes you give sacrificially. I think there's probably the thought going, you know, rolling through some minds this morning of, you know, Paul, I really do. I I really do think that I love God. But the truth is I'm barely making it financially now. And I just don't think I can afford to invest any of my money in taking the gospel to the nations. If if you're thinking like that, I believe you. I really do. I believe 100% that you think you can't afford it. But I do want you to understand, and I say this as graciously and respectfully as I can, you're the disciple that the Bible spoke about who was having second thoughts about being all in with Jesus. You're afraid that you can't handle the cost. But the thing is, is I bet you anything that when we were at the opening of the message, you were one that was like, heck yeah, I'd find that $100. Even if you were at the end of your budget already. My question is, is if we're willing to consider how we would scrape up $100 a month to drive a new car? Would we not put our, 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 our mind to, to pencil and paper and look at our budget and say, how can I scrape up? I'm just throwing out a number here because it's consistent $100 a month to missions so that people in the rest of the world can have the same opportunity to hear about Jesus that I've had. Well, we find $100 a month so, so that our money can be leveraged to do good by getting the message of Jesus to the world. Will we give 100 a month or 50 a month or 200 a month or whatever the amount? I don't, I don't know. It's, that's up to you and the Lord or whatever so that the first domino can be tipped. Putting the Great Commission in motion. I'll close with this. <clears throat> I'm not a wealthy man. Um, and although this church pays me really well, much more than I deserve, my family's a one-income family. I've got two kids in college. Before that, I was paying private school tuition for two kids. Before that, I had my oldest in college. I've been making two tuition payments since 2008. 
I say that to say this. I don't have any savings. I don't have any savings. Um, Back in August was my 30th anniversary serving this church. And in in this service, second service didn't see it, but in this service, um, the church gave me a gift. I didn't talk about the amount then because that always just kind of makes me uncomfortable, right? Um, But I'm just going to tell you. They gave me what, what it was was $200 for every year that I had served. They gave me a gift of $6,000 on my, uh, when I say they, it's a, they're representing you, okay, for my 30th anniversary in serving this church. And all of a sudden, I had a savings. And you know what happened two weeks later? My air conditioner at my house went out. But you know what? I had the money. To go and get my air conditioner taken care of. It's funny how for my entire life. Now, I don't advocate this, you know, when it comes to budgeting. I've never had a savings. And yet, God has met every need we've ever had. I can't tell you what to do as far as giving. But I want you to understand that what I'm challenging you to is something that I do. Between what my family gives to the church and, you know, what all us old schoolers call as the tithe, and then what we give to missions above that is more than 20% of our income. I don't say that because I want you to think, oh, wow. I I want you to understand my trust is not in money. My trust is in the Lord. And he has proven to me and my family over and over and over and over again that he will meet our needs. And not only are our needs getting met, we are able to be a part of something that makes a difference. For eternity. I don't know where I got this in my mind. It's not theologically sound at all. It makes no sense whatsoever to anybody, but it makes sense to me. I just I just developed in my mind. Because I don't know how God determines which kids I get. I got Ray, Brooke, and Parker. I don't know why I didn't get Bailey or Luke. I don't know. It's just the way it worked out. God knows. But I just developed this weird thought in my mind that, you know what? What if God chose to give one of my kids to some mom and dad in an unreached people group? I'm telling you, there's, there's no theological soundness to this at all. I'm just telling you what I, what's in my mind. You see, I want those kids to matter to me as much as my own do when it comes to them knowing Jesus as their Savior. And did you know that because I envision some of my kids being raised by parents in other parts of the world, it is a joy for me to give every week. Because people matter. And I want to be a part of knowing that people that nobody else cared about 
come to know Jesus because my family has decided to be a part in the Great Commission. I just will say this. You'll never give a dollar to missions that you regret. Never. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would do a work in our hearts. God, help us to be willing to remove the doubt and the second guesses and the need for second opinion and wondering what other people think and all that and just to jump on board and be all in in the Great Commission. Give us a desire. Give us a commitment to being willing to leverage our wealth that it may be used to do good by sending those missionaries that are willing to go so that people can believe and call on Jesus and they would be saved. So, Father, do a work in each of our hearts. Strengthen our heart for missions. In Jesus' name, amen.